BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. Tesla CEO Elon Musk had a busy weekend on Twitter. Upset at the Bay Area's extension of stay-at-home orders that have kept Tesla's facilities closed, Musk said he would immediately move the electric car maker's Palo Alto headquarters out of the state. And he said Tesla's plant in Fremont could be next. Musk had his hopes up after hearing Governor Gavin Newsom's plans to gradually reopen manufacturing plants around the state, but the stricter local orders prevail. Reporter Dana Hall covers Tesla for Bloomberg News. The Bay Area did not give a green light for manufacturing. The Bay Area is still under a shelter-in-place order through the end of May. And the the region as a whole has been much stricter than other parts of the state in terms of its phased approach to reopening. So Musk was planning to reopen the factory on Friday, and Alameda County's public health officer came out and said, no, we have not given them a green light to do so. He's obviously very angry about that, took to Twitter on Saturday morning, and then Tesla did file suit against Alameda County saying that they have the right as a business to sort of go forward and manufacture cars and that the county's order is at odds with what the state has said. And a lot of it is sort of going through the language of the various stay-at-home orders, uh, what is critical infrastructure and what is not. Um, whether electric vehicle charging and manufacturing are allowed. And I, I think it's you know, sort of everyone can read these various orders and FAQs uh, in, in a way that suits them. So that's that's a little bit of what's going on here. Yeah. And what's clear is that local officials don't want the Fremont facility certainly being shut down. They've already seen that happen at that facility once when the plant was cooperated by GM and Toyota way, way back in the day. What are they saying right now about the prospect of Tesla moving? That's the ultimate threat here being dangled. Sure. So it's important to know that, I mean, Tesla is a large employer in Alameda County. The company has roughly 20,000 employees in the Bay Area as a whole you know, split. I mean, some are in Palo Alto, some are at showrooms. There's a lot of office buildings all throughout the South Bay. Uh, and then the Fremont factory itself has about 10,000 employees. And manufacturing jobs have long been the key to kind of the middle class. And for every manufacturing job, there's often other jobs because of suppliers and just the services to those jobs. So, you know, no government official wants to see manufacturing leave. And you've seen over the weekend, you know, voices of support from the mayor of Fremont, from the mayor of Palo Alto. And so I think that, you know, everyone is really hoping that the county and Tesla can come to some kind of agreement sooner rather than later so that the plant can reopen safely with with the workers being safe. Okay, great. Dana Hall, thank you so much. My pleasure. And Elon Musk has since deleted tweets aimed at Alameda County Interim Public Health Officer Erica Pond. 
and replace them with a Mother's Day greeting. At least we can all get behind that. The COVID-19 pandemic has brought the travel and hospitality industries to a standstill. People aren't flying, hotels are empty, and bars and restaurants are barely getting by with takeout service. Well, a forecast commissioned by the Los Angeles Tourism and Convention Board expects the city will lose billions of dollars and millions of visitors. KCRW's Matt Gillum has more. The forecast projects L.A., one of the world's most popular tourist destinations, will see about 29 million people come to town this year. Before the outbreak, experts planned on welcoming more than 50 million. The expected financial hit is staggering. In light of COVID-19, tourists are likely to spend less than $12 billion in 2020. Usually they spend about 25. David Schulman is a senior economist at UCLA's Anderson Forecast. He says the state is in for a shellacking. California is going to be hit much harder than the rest of the country. California is a tourist-related economy, which affects hotels, uh, recreational services, and, and restaurants. Schulman says government policies and interventions can help ease the economic sting, but a true recovery will only happen when people again feel comfortable going out, eating out, and getting out. The company that produced L.A.'s forecast, Tourism Economics, also recently did one for the state. It projects travel spending in California for 2020 will be down by as much as 50 percent from last year. For the California Report, I'm Matt Gillum in Los Angeles. L.A.'s not the only California city with reason to worry about how it'll fare during the financial mess brought on by COVID-19. And it's one of six cities in the state hoping for a cut of $150 billion in federal help from the CARES Act. Only cities with a half a million people or more qualify. But what about the rest? Well, Cal Matters reporter Ben Christopher has been reporting on that. He's been looking at, among others, the city of Rancho Cucamonga, just east of L.A., which actually did okay after the Great Recession and is trying to figure out what's next. I spoke to the mayor, uh, uh, Dennis Michael, last week, and he mentioned that you know sales tax revenues for the city have gone up by $9 million since the Great Recession. So over the last decade, they've gone up by $9 million. Um, so it's seen this kind of fantastic growth since then. And he said all of that is gone now. I mean, the suddenness of the economic shock that has hit, I mean, everyone, but cities in particular, um, is, is just with, without precedent because, like, you know, as soon as the governor and these county shelter-in-place orders went into effect, consumer spending just came to a halt. And it's particularly hard for cities that are especially dependent on either sales tax revenue or hotel taxes because those are the, the revenue sources that really just completely dried up. And so you have these really dramatic shocks like the one that, that Rancho is experiencing. And so what happens for a place like Rancho Cucamonga? Do they have any alternatives to get help during this time? So at this point, you know, again, I want to say that you know, Rancho is, is in a better position than a lot of cities in that they have some fairly healthy reserves that they can draw down. But certainly they are, you know, this, that city and cities across the state are going to probably be seeing cuts to services, furloughs, firing, or just simply not replacing uh, positions as people retire. And so you, you might see a lot of cities really slim down. You know, I, I um, was speaking to the uh, city manager of San Pablo, which is in the Bay Area, just, just north of Richmond. And that's a city where 60% of the general fund revenue comes from a single casino. And obviously, a casino is not considered a, an essential service. And so that city is just in enormous trouble. Again, there's probably not going to be much funding coming from the state. 
There is a debate in Washington now about whether there will be more assistance to cities and counties and states um, from the federal level, but that is not coming anytime soon. And then for any cities that are hoping to get additional funding uh, from the voters by, by increased taxes at the ballot box in November, it's not clear that voters are going to be in a giving mood in November, given how bad the economy is. Ben, thank you so much for this reporting. Thanks for having me. Ben Christopher is a reporter with Cal Matters. Finally this morning, sheriffs in Northern California are pushing back against some aspects of Governor Gavin Newsom's shelter-in-place orders. They argue that the rules should be different for their counties because cases of COVID-19 there make up a small portion of the state's total. KQED's Kate Wolf has the story. When Humboldt County Sheriff William Hansel heard that Governor Newsom was planning on announcing a closure of beaches statewide, he says he knew it wouldn't fly in his jurisdiction. 4,000 square miles, only 135,000 population. We do open space very well up here. And so we don't want to deprive that, that natural ability to go out and get your mind off things during this time. Early the next morning, he put out a statement on Facebook saying he believed the order would violate residents' constitutional rights. Thousands of people liked and shared the post. The governor ended up announcing beach closures only in Orange County. But even so, Hansel says locals are losing their patience with the statewide restrictions. He wants local governments to be given more decision-making power moving forward. Ultimately, he needs to treat, you know, Humboldt County a little bit differently, you know, rural rural Northern California a little bit differently than other parts of the state. Hansel's sentiments are echoed by a neighboring sheriff. Matt Kendall is a sixth-generation Mendocino resident. We have to look at what's reasonable for Mendocino County because we don't look like San Francisco. We don't look like Los Angeles. Kendall says he's seen more domestic violence calls since the shelter-in-place restrictions. But I have to look at the unintended consequences and see, am I going to have more people hurt, injured, killed because of the shelter-in-place Neither sheriff says they'll go against Newsom's orders, but both say they want to work with the governor on a plan that satisfies both regional and statewide interests. The governor's office didn't respond to a request for comment. For The California Report, I'm Kate Wolf. Governor Newsom signed an executive order last week to ensure that all registered voters here in California receive a mail-in ballot for the November election. In Sutter County, election officials say it's a matter of voter safety, but also safety for poll workers. KQED's Ashley Brown reports. Donna Johnston is the Sutter County elections clerk. Along with other election officials across the state, she's held meetings with the Secretary of State's office to recommend some changes to the state's vote-by-mail rules. Most poll workers in California are in that higher threshold of people that are over 65. Most of those folks are the ones that come to work for the polls for us. So we wanted to make sure that we were able to give them a safe and secure environment to work in. Take Larry and Carla Verga. The two Sutter County residents often work the polls on Election Day. Larry's 78 years old and Carla's 70. Larry and Carla don't hold back when talking about the right to vote. With mail-in ballot, you don't get a little sticker <laughs> that says I voted. And on election day, people are walking all around with the little stickers on it, and they're proud to have them. Rural counties often rely on vote by mail because it allows voters who live far from a polling place to cast their votes more reliably and easily. 70% of Sutter County voters already vote by mail. So when Johnston asked the County Board of Supervisors to expand that system, Board Chair Ron Sullinger says it was a unanimous 5-0 to zero vote in favor. We're not proposing that 
we do this on a full-time basis from here on out, the thing she proposed to us was this will be a mail ballot only election because of the COVID virus and all of the problems that we're seeing throughout the United States as we speak. Nearly two-thirds of Californians voted by mail in the last presidential election. In Sutter County, officials insist there would still be a few local voting centers where people could register on election day and provide a place for voters who need or prefer to vote in person. Mindy Romero is the director of the California Civic Engagement Project at USC. And by the way, new voters are also much more likely to vote in person. They choose to vote in person. They vote in person for very real reasons. Sometimes it's not even a choice. Secretary of State Alex Padilla says he's pleased Governor Newsom has ordered ballots to be mailed to every registered voter in the fall, while, quote, maintaining as many safe in-person voting opportunities as possible. Vote-by-mail critics, including President Trump, say that it increases the chances for voter fraud. But there's no credible research or evidence to back that up. Oregon votes entirely by mail and has found only about a dozen cases of proven fraud in 20 years. Back in Sutter County, Larry and Carla Vergas say fraud is one of the reasons they worry about going to an all-mail-in voting system. But so is the loss of our shared civic duty. I always look at voting as being a responsibility as an American, and I take great pride in going and voting. Still, even Larry and Carla see the benefits. They are permanently registered to vote by mail. They say they are often out of the state, traveling, but they still want to cast their ballots. And no doubt in this pandemic, vulnerable older voters will appreciate being able to avoid the risk of voting in person. For The California Report, I'm Ashley Brown. And that's The California Report for this Monday, May 11th, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thanks for listening and have a great day, everyone. Support for The California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. Hint. Water with a touch of true fruit flavor. Water heaters only. Specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured. Open 24 hours a day every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit Donate dot kqed dot org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks do you love learning about the san francisco bay area its history its people its unique blend of cultures then you should check out the bay curious book I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. 
Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! <laughs> 